saw a good win. I saw a bunch of good winners. Thank you guys for all the questions. Thank you for being here. Happy Saturday. It's Saturday. Uh-oh, low battery. I've been I've been doing so much live stuff. My bat my battery's low. Um Okay, this is a good one from Nice Chord Official. Any tips for landing on the right note on the right beat instead of an eighth eighth note too early or too late? Well, it's funny because I think about that. If you land on the right note on the right side of the beat, and I think we're talking about syncopation, upbeat, downbeat, a lot of times that can sound corny, right? Like the wrong notes, and yeah. especially landing on... Um, often can be more interesting. Now, the concept of like, can you hear what you're playing at a relatively high percentage as you play? If you can, then you can make those decisions. If you're not sure how it's going to sound until you play it, you're kind of stuck because it's like, uh uh-oh, you start to think, I landed on the wrong beat. I landed on the wrong note. Whereas we have an infinite kind of, uh, you know, number of choices where we can land, how we can play things to the point of we're progressing towards nothing is wrong. Now, by saying nothing is wrong doesn't mean that some people don't sound like poo-poo because they do. But, you know, so you can't just be like, oh, I can play anything. Uh, But I think that even thinking about it in terms of the right note or the wrong note. Now, if you want to, the more important, I think, is to, to figure out the difference between what it sounds like, what it feels like to land on the wrong note and the right note. And so I'm, I think you're talking about like scale tones or chord tones versus non-chord tones. And then the wrong or right beat, the upbeat or the downbeat, de- depending on the kind of line and stuff. And to me, you can do that with some restrictive practicing where you just say, okay, I'm going to play a bunch of courses over a blues or rhythm changes or all the things you are, some tune that you're very comfortable with and say every line I'm going to end on an upbeat eighth note, but on a chord tone. And then the next time you say, I'm going to do it all on the upbeat, but a non-core tone. And you try each of those combinations and then you just start to drill into your head how they work, how they sound. And then you can make those on-the-fly decisions when you're going to use them. Yeah, that's the key is to get comfortable. There is, There really is no right or wrong notes on or off the beat. It's your control over that that is is the magic of it. And you have to get comfortable and practice you know, landing on core tones off the beat or landing on... I mean, the, like if you land on the second that's a or the fourth... That could be a very beautiful note to be a strong yeah. landing point or a strong jumping off point. So you just have to learn how to accept those and how to control that and, and know, you know, hear everything here. You, you should theoretically be able to make any note over any chord work uh, yes. if, if you're if you're doing it right. And, and that's the ultimate goal. Not I got to line up this like a robot. Oh, good. We get to do our robot voice. I have to line up the note on the robot voice. Uh, it's really <laughs> oil. It's oh, no, really a, it's a language. Sorry. It's a language thing. That's a good one though. Uh, Fat yeah. Janet, who's uh, that's our boy Nick. What up, Nick? Uh, he says is hand independence better practiced on a per song basis to start mastering each hand, or together slowly with drills? And Nick, the answer is yes. No. Oh, <laughs> I mean yes. <laughs> no, I would Go say. Ahead. I would say yes to all of it. Hand independence is something you need to be practicing at all times for ev- with everything. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do we need to expand on that? No. We'll tell you when we see you in person, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll demonstrate it for you in, uh, at, at post-pandemic. Um, there was another one. Was that from Nick, too, or somebody just... Oh, no, this is Christian. Uh, is the academic study of theory and jazz, i.e. jazz school, worth it? Yes and no. I mean, it can be and it can't be. It's like any, I, I don't think it's really any different uh, than any other 
academic study. It depends on who you're studying with, but it also depends on you as a student. I think, you know, a lot of times we'll say, you know, you'll hear musicians or others throw out, oh, don't go there. It's not worth it. Or go there. You're going to learn everything you need to know. Ultimately, no matter what you do, you have, you're going to spend most of your time teaching yourself. So we know though we can get, I don't know any great jazz musician that hasn't um, benefited from from knowledge from their elders or from their their peers for that matter. I don't know anyone that's ever done this alone. You know, now you know jazz school is an organized place that you can do that, or somewhat organized place, depending on where you go. But you can also get it other ways. You can get it from recordings, from talking to people, whatever. But ultimately, whatever information you get, you got to go into the practice room and teach yourself. And by teach yourself, I don't mean you come up with ideas from the air is take those things that you believe and that have been proven to work, find what works for you from, you know, disseminate all this information and then practice. And to me, practice is teaching yourself. You know, you're drilling it over and over again. You're working on your ear training. You're working on the fingers, all the things that we talk about. I mean, it's just like open studio. Like we're a music school in a way. Um, we're not a, I mean, we are a jazz, an online jazz school, but we can put all this information out. Ultimately, everyone has to take it and kind of teach themselves by practicing. So I think jazz school, look, they, the, the jazz programs are the most developed they've ever been. I think for when I came up and even when you came up, Adam, it was, a, a you know, when we were at the age you're normally going to, that we went to music school, it was different. It's, it's so much better now and it's going to continue to get better, but it's like anything. I mean, is biology worth the, the degree you get? If you go to the right place and you make sure you get the information you need and don't take on too many loans and stuff, it can be wonderful. Same for jazz school. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's what you put into it that you'll get out of it. And I would just say, too, that I, I, I am seeing the other part of your question is the academic study of theory and jazz. I think that there's nothing wrong with the academic study of anything in the arts. But in order for the side that you want to become a performer, you want to always keep the academic side the theoretical side in perspective in terms of how it can inform you as a player. I've never believed in like, well, the more you understand about advanced harmony and, you know, fancy word harmony, as I like to call it, words that I don't understand, but the more that you understand of that, the less uh, good of a player you can be. I don't believe that at all. They don't necessarily go hand in hand. What's important is that you can hear all that advanced stuff, whether or not you understand it from a theoretical standpoint beyond your ears it, it, that's kind of up to you if you want to do it. That can certainly enhance things. It's not as necessary, but you do need to be able to hear it, to be able to play it, to be able to live it, to feel it, to so that you can pull your story out. And I think that academic studies of jazz can go, well, I mean, it's not just I think, you can see it. I mean, look at the great young players coming out of these programs now that are um, you know, very academic. We had Ulysses Owens on, on, on the other day doing a Q&A. You know, he went to Juilliard, he's teaching there now, he's He's also he's he's gotten a lot of street jazz like on the road learning from the elders, but he also got the very academic thing at Juilliard and, and has benefited from it for sure. It's true. Well said. That boy Tom says, "What do you guys think about playing over pedal points, going in and out, or just all out?" So Tom, that that uh, that idea of going in and out and what to use over pedal point is almost self-descriptive with a pedal point. Like they are a tension machine. They're designed to help you build tension so that you can release it. Like if you are just going out constantly over the pedal point and that's all you do, and this is the only place it ever goes, that is boring. That sucks. That's not fun Hold for on, any. I got bored. I was doing something else here. Yeah. No, Peter's checking that his board. email. That's not, it's not cool. What these are designed to do is this. 
we're going out. And I'm going through these quickly, by the way, but kind of taking this out, and then we go here. We resolve it somewhere interesting. So if you think about the pedal point as like your machine for tension, you have to think about where's this going? Eventually, where am I landing on? Like that was a B flat pedal. I knew that I was going to go to E flat major eventually. So I was, I wasn't thinking about this a lot, but the idea is that you're, you're building this tension to that E flat. So you pick things that you know are going to, to tense up before we resolve to, to E flat major. And that, that could change whatever pedal point, whatever target you have. But that's, that's like the, the typical use of a pedal. There's a few ways you can use it, but that's like the, the 99%, uh, 99% percentile way of using a pedal point. Nice. Awesome. Um, okay. Question. How and where do you apply Lydian scale? So I think that the Lydian, uh, scale typical places that we apply it only well, in lydia all, only scales, in lydia you know especially as pianists or or anybody you can come to the piano play this think about the scales in terms of like the harmonic sound or like a chord that you would play sound as a and sometimes it's better to think about that first than opposed to just playing up and down the scale because we're never going to apply it in that way so it's like what is the sound so that sharp 11 major sound um, we can find examples that I'm trying to think through. Uh, what's what's a tune that starts on like the sharp 11? I don't know if there is one. Uh, um, there's got to be a monk find... tune, right? What's that? There's got to be a monk tune that starts on a sharp 11 somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you take. Oh, yeah. But that's he does a lot of like Lydian dominant. Yeah. Um, with, which is its own sound. But in, in anywhere you found a sharp 11 in the melody, especially if it sits for a second, like you can use that to kind of to sort of center your harmonic ear to what that Lydian scale is. And then you want to kind of go through the scale, you know, third broken thirds, broken fifths and stuff, as opposed to just getting stuck. Cause some of these scales sound so corny when you play them up and down the first and, and start to get them in your hands. And you're like, I can never use this anywhere. And what you'll see is that you get more advanced and, and you move further in the music, you start to find all sorts of ways to use the scale. And also don't sleep on using these scales over different chords, even though you would say, okay, that's just another mode if you diatonically use it somewhere else. But it can sort of center you in the same way with like the root third, fifth, seventh, sharp 11th or whatever in a way. So I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have my keyboards hooked up right now because I'm still, Come on. still configuring. Come, Come on, on, man. Um, but like, uh, I don't know. Does that even make sense? Yeah. I mean, I can conceptualize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Okay. Cool. Uh, let's see here. Do you recommend absolute beginners start with jazz music or do you recommend they practice some classical music and get some technique before learning jazz? I really think that, you know, when you're starting out, you should follow whatever you're passionate about and you're going to improve faster. Whatever music you love to play, you if you follow that, you're going to improve. Now, as you get going, you know, once you're a couple years in, you're going to realize that there are different types of music that give you different types of of advantages. You know, if you learn a little bit of classical music, you're going to get some some things with the technique that you don't get just by strictly playing jazz. And a lot of jazz musicians, especially pianists, have some kind of classical background just because of how rich the pedagogy of classical piano is. But that doesn't mean you have to do that. I mean, you could get into anything. You can get into pop music if you're learning piano or, or whatever instrument. Whatever you're passionate about, I think that's where you should start. Yes, uh, totally agree on that. And um, 
Okay, we have Ryan's asking, I love your guys' concept of creative scale practice. Can you recommend any methods for creative arpeggio practice that are cr practical for playing? Um, you know, the concept of the jazz arpeggio, TM, patent pending, uh, is uh, something I think that's a, a good way both to conceptualize well, and really just for actual usage and for practicing. And, and it definitely lends itself to the creative scale practice, just the creative practice thing in general. And so by jazz arpeggio, what we're talking about is one, three, five, seven, dominant seventh in this case, nine, um, it, any, any combination of one, three, five, seven, nine, it could be flat nine, sharp nine. I mean, any of the alterations, major seven, minor seven, and it could be flatted fifth, minor third. But the idea, we go one, three, five, seven, three, five, seven, nine. That's the foundation. So, so it's like a broken arpeggio. Um, and then if you take the creative scale ideas, a lot of those will work over that as well. And this is especially good if you're trying to like incorporate some of those upper extensions better. Um, d diminished stuff, it works really good over that. Any kind of altered sound, you can find a lot of uh, uh, great arpeggios in there. And then they're very closely related to usage because they're often combined with you know a scale a scale fragment going the other way or whatever coming out of these arpeggios as opposed to just a straight major minor diminished augmented um, arpeggios not that useful for straight usage in jazz music like they are in classical yeah no they're not they're not used in the same way they're more used in conjunction with scales and things like that didn't we didn't they use back back in the seventies and eighties when I was coming up if you pulled out a straight arpeggio a straight major arpeggio on a jazz gig, you might get your butt kicked in the alley after the gig. But see, bullying and stuff, musical bullying is not allowed anymore. So we're we're not condoning that. I'm just saying that yeah. used to happen. That's a right? net positive that you don't get beat up for playing an arpeggio, I think, and just in, in well-being of the world. But yeah. Yeah, maybe. yeah. You stupid arpeggio nerd. I'm going to kick your butt, man. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Uh, we got a question here from Faza Aaron, who I can't really see your picture, but I know Faza. Uh, really? And she's a marvelous singer based here in St. Oh, wow. Louis. Just a beautiful vocalist. Hi, Adam and Peter. As a singer, I'm trying to enhance my vocals with piano. Do you have any practice advice for vocalists? Basic accompanying for scat work. So, first of all, Faza, it's been a while since I've seen you. How you doing? Hope you're well during this time. And secondly, you might try just very basic, like, root shell pretty voicings that you can just feel out on the piano. And so I'll just explain what these are just really quick. So you have in your left hand, just the root of the chord. So if it's a C major seven, C, and then the shell, right? The third and the seventh, so C, E, B. And then in your right hand, you are gonna add some pretty notes. And these are usually a combination of these, either the fifth, the ninth, the 11th or the 13th, depending on the chord and depending on how you want to hear it. So in your left hand, again, you have the root and the shell, the root and the third and the seventh. And then in your right hand, you can add any pretty notes you want, like the ninth and the 13th or the ninth and the fifth. Those simple voicings can take you through most great American songbook standards. And it's a great way, if you go through a simple song, trying to think of... Um, one I know you do. Oh, one of those French songs that that we played a concert of once. Uh, any Ooh, of those la. songs. Yeah, no, this is bon. awesome. Uh, uh, you, can, you, you can just go through, because they're all seventh chords, and just go through and figure out these very simple, and it's a very structured voicing, so it's like a formula that you can kind of lay over. And it's a great like kind of introduction into getting 
like good sounding harmony into into your playing that way and it's great for for singing over i do it all the time i practice my singing trying to get better at that and so i just play these very simple voicings underneath that awesome 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 all right we're gonna take a couple more and then instagram gives us a hard out at an hour so we've just got a few more minutes and someone was asking about a metronome app and i was gonna skip over that just because like whatever app i have i don't even know the name of i think it's called metronome i'm so bad about these kind of i'm like anything that just clicks but i like using the old school box metronome which is what i usually do but then somebody's saying that any tune has a metronome i think and sponsor the podcast yeah any tune is is a fabulous app it's well beyond just a metronome but highly recommend that and it's a lot of fun um, and then someone else said, um, oh, nice chord said, just Google metronome. Google's got one. So Google's taking over everything. They even <laughs> got a metronome built in. <laughs> I've used that Google metronome app. It doesn't work great. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So, so Google's figured out an algorithm to like spy on us and figure out what we're about to buy, but it can't figure out how to go click, click, click. Yeah. It asked for my phone number when I went to try to start it at 120. <laughs> it's lame. That's right. Right. All right, should we pick out one more each? Yep. Okay. If Adam has any faults, he's agreeable to a fault. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going back because I always feel bad. Like It's like we're short-term memory. Like Whoever answers the latest questions gets answered first. It's like we used to call it LIFO, last in, first out, first right. in FIFO. When you're getting on the buses like at, in, at the airport, you know, where you got like at Frankfurt Airport, you got to go to FIFO. You, it's either FIFO or LIFO. That's right. Google it. <laughs> oh, here's a – okay, I'm going to pick this one as my last question from Tomas. How are you guys? Uh, fine. How are you? I'm doing okay. I need a haircut. I'm just seeing from this this post. Oh, Oh, you're just clowning on me now. See, but no, 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 no. I might, I might go full on Peter Martin here. <laughs> no, I mean, is that, um, is that, would that, that be has kind of been stealing weird, your thunder. It's funny how like, yeah, no, this has been a weird thing that's thrown me off. I know people have been like, oh my God, I can't get my hair. I'm like, wow, that's something that has not changed for me at all. The hair that the hair maintenance routine is like, I'm, I'm very flexible with that. <laughs> well, I think that looks like, I think we got them all, man. That's what? all the questions. Yeah, that's it. That's all I can see. Oh, I think cool. we've answered all of them. Well, let's just tell people, please tune into the podcast when you get a chance. If you're not already, we're going to keep doing um, this live. But if you want to listen to this or excerpts from this, this will be edited down into a nice little uh, episode or episodes this week. And we've got a couple of cool best ofs. I think the last episode was a best of and folks kind of like those the, the sometimes the most you know and it's fun to mix those in it's fun for us to hear stuff that we did a while ago because it's a daily podcast coming to yeah. you monday through friday Love we probably it. should go seven days pretty soon it's like every day is the same now anyway but what we want to give you guys is a little bit of structure so when you don't hear new episodes on the weekend you know monday morning comes at 3 a.m central standard time when the next episode drops can i do a little plug peter real quick Please. So if we have any uh, Piano Access Pass or, or Open Studio All Access Pass members, check me out this week every day, Monday through Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be doing live guided practice sessions on Zoom. Just go to the daily guided practice session on your dashboard and check those out. We're going to be working on some cool stuff all week. So come through to my Open Studio members here. Yep, that's Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, New York City time, right? That's right. Yep. And, uh, yeah, this is some cool stuff. We got a lot of live stuff for everyone, but this, the, the member stuff. So I, I uh, audited 
your uh, one of your guided sessions, guided practice sessions this last week, and it's really, um, it's 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 really fun, you know, and it, and it's very much like it's not as hand holding as folks think. So especially if you want to engage, it's like going to a really good yoga or meditation class. Like you think you're going to go in and like, they're going to take care of you. They're going to guide you. And that's what Adam does. He really guides you. And you know, there might be some things for sure. There's some things that you can't keep up on some things just like a yoga class. That's fine. It's there. It's being in that environment where you're, and, and you're also able to learn new practice skills. This is something we don't talk about and not what we do on the podcast, of course, but musicians in general don't talk to each other enough about at different levels and whatever or like how you practice and there's nothing like being guided by someone who really has a knack for practicing and not only can do it by um you, you know by demonstrating as you do but actually guiding you with some soothing words as you go and giving instruction as you go awesome all right well thanks y'all for the questions yeah, join thanks, us everybody. here and next uh, week. we'll be back here next week check out the podcast all week of course and sorry we're talking on top of each other it's all good Until latency tomorrow. i'm late on the latency again Till tomorrow, you'll hear it.